I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. In this episode, Kevin Palmieri is sharing his knowledge and wisdom concerning overcoming depression, failures, and even suicidal ideations. So at this time, I want to give a trigger warning because in this episode, we will briefly touch on suicide and or suicidal thoughts during this discussion. And if this is going to trigger some sort of extreme emotional distress for you, you should probably skip today's episode. If you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline immediately, which is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-273-8255. With that being said, Kevin talks about how in his 20s, he had the perfect life from the outside. He had a beautiful girlfriend who was actually a model. He had a high-paying job, a sports car, the best body he had ever had in his life, And yet he found himself sitting on the side of the bed contemplating suicide. And as he says, some people find rock bottom, but he found out that rock bottom had a basement. So after talking to a caring friend, he had a pivotal moment in his life and he turned it all around. He decided to pursue fulfillment, self-improvement, and entrepreneurship. He was determined to overcome his anxiety, depression, and finally live the life that he had always dreamed of. Years later, he now hosts a podcast that impacts hundreds of thousands of people in countries all over the world. He focused on learning what he didn't know and even unlearning some things too. And his life started to shift. He's now on a mission to help others shift their lives as well. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our fair share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 35 of The Beauty of the Mess called When You Find Out Rock Bottom Has a Basement with Kevin Palmieri. Kevin is a CFO, founder, and co-host of The Next Level University, a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 1,100 episodes and 650,000 plus listens in over 125 countries. He loves talking about consistency, commitment, habits, mindset, confidence, fear, relationships, limiting beliefs, and everything in between, and he is ready to help you get to the next level. He has given hundreds of speeches, trainings, and coaching calls with people all around the world. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. It's great to have you here today. I appreciate it. I'm excited. You and I are recording on a Friday. We got energy. We're ready to roll. That's great. (laughs) And I know that you have an extremely successful podcast and you're a speaker and you're a coach. But I was wondering if before we get started today, if you could take us back to that time in your life that kind of led you to where you're at today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to do, not because I like to relive it necessarily, but because I think the contrast is important. Right. To your point, a lot of people have never heard of me. 
And they'll most likely say, oh, they're successful, but that's not where we started. So my story really picks up in my mid-20s. So just for context, I grew up in a single-parent household. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Moms and Mima, that was her nickname, Mima. Uh. Definitely lower middle class. We didn't have a lot of money. I remember when I got to high school, I knew I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I wasn't sure, but I knew I didn't want to go to college. So when I graduated high school, I just got a job at a gas station. And that was my first dipping my toe into the professional realm, I guess. So I ended up doing a bunch of different odd jobs. And eventually I got this very unique job opportunity in an industry called weatherization. So all that means is we go into schools or state-owned buildings and we make them more energy efficient. Okay. Pretty much it in a nutshell. We work in the attics, we work on the windows, we work on the doors, that type of thing. So I went from making $15 an hour to $60 an hour, like overnight when I switched my jobs. And I thought I had achieved success. I was like, oh my goodness, not going to college was the best choice ever. All these other jobs I had to work through, they got me here. This is awesome. I'm going to do this forever. So if you were to zoom in on me at 25 years of age, you would see a young man who had a sports car. My girlfriend was a model. I had just won a bodybuilding show. So I was in the best shape of my life, the best shape I've ever been. I had a high paying job, new apartment, all of the measures of quote unquote success. But internally, I was very unhappy. I was very unfulfilled. I was very insecure. I lacked confidence. I was a shell of a human being, honestly. That's the best way to describe it. But you would never know because my external state and my internal state were so different. So one day my girlfriend came to me and she talked about how she wanted to move from the East Coast to California. And I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it because I was so scarce. I couldn't pour from the empty cup that I had become. She ended up leaving me, as she should have. And when she left me, I convinced myself that making more money would make me even happier, even though I wasn't happy. So the next year, I spent 10 months on the road because all of our contracts were out of state. And I lived in a hotel for a week. I'd go home for a day. I'd go back out to the hotel. And that was my existence for 10 months out of that year. Wow. Got to the end of the year. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. It is. We got to the end of the year and I made $100,000. I had my final pay stub in hand. I opened it and I said, wow, I made $100,000, but nothing internally shifted. I wasn't any more confident. I wasn't any more secure. I wasn't excited for my future. So I realized in that moment that for most of my life, especially that year, I had lived unconsciously, just going through the motions. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. And that was my first dipping my toe into what all this world is. I fell in love with podcasting as I fell out of love with my job. And when I say I fell out of love, the second I realized I made the most money I'd ever made, and I understood it took me spending 10 months on the road to do that, I don't want to do that again. I'm not interested in doing this again for another year. I need to find a way out of here because this is not good for me at this point. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job site early. I'm showing up late. I am not the model employee I was at one point. And it just kept getting worse because I was so afraid to start over. I didn't believe in myself. 
I assumed that I was stuck at this job forever because I was kind of handcuffed by the money that I was making. I had a reputation. I was just very scared to start over. So one morning I was in New Jersey for work in a hotel, six hours from where I lived. My alarm clock went off at 5.15 in the morning. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots and I had done this a thousand times. But that morning, Michelle, it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one is on a different station. Oh, wow. That's the best way to explain the anxiety that was going on that day. And one of these televisions is saying, you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave, but people like you don't get opportunities like this. Like, do not blow this. Do not blow this. If you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to say? You make more money than all of your friends. Like there's a significance that comes with that. What's your family going to say? Your family's very proud of you. I mean, you didn't go to school. There wasn't a lot of hope for me in my past. And if you do have the courage to move on from this, what are you going to do with your life? All right, you got lucky here. This podcast thing is going to work out. So in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. And I was having a lot of dark suicidal ideations at that time. I reached out to a friend who is now my business partner and the co-host of our show. And I explained to him what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And he said something very simple, but profound. He said, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. You're still hanging with the same people, going to the same places, even though you're so much different. So I ended up leaving that job three or four months later and then beginning the very painful journey of being a broke entrepreneur, podcaster, trying to figure out how to grow this thing. But the reason I say that is because I don't want somebody to think I left. I don't want somebody to think I hit rock bottom, found out rock bottom had a basement, left, and then here I am today. Like that was six years ago, right? Right. I left, I left that job in 2018. So that was almost six years ago. A lot has happened since then. And in many regards, the journey after leaving that job is actually harder than the stuff going on at that time. Wow. I, and I've not been in your shoes as far as, you know, I, I don't think I've ever contemplated suicide, but if you're that low and then you give up the six figure job and now you're broke and you're, and you have all this uncertainty, how do you keep from falling right back into that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's interesting. And again, this is why it's very hard for me to give advice on some parts of my story. The day I left my job was the last time I ever had any of those dark thoughts. Wow. It's yeah. It, now, am I, have I had levels of stress that I didn't understand I could have? Absolutely. Have I been broke where my wife had to pay the bills? Absolutely. But here's what I think I was missing. I am more fulfilled now than I ever was before. And when I understood that fulfillment was what I was after more than happiness or more than pleasure, I think that allowed me to actually do what filled my cup. That something happened when I left my job where it was like, now I get to actually do something I feel is meaningful. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges and yeah, there's a lot of growth and a lot of evolution. But yeah, it's interesting. That was the last time I ever had thoughts like that. Now, have I had anxiety? Yes. Yeah. Now it's the least it's ever been, but I've worked on my mental health a lot. Have I had depressive bouts? Yes. Where I didn't want to get out of bed? Yes. But I mean, we're talking like, you know, minutes and seconds versus weeks and months at this point. Right. 
Yeah. And I think we all go through times of immense stress and uh, get down and come back up again. But of course, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You said that you were fulfilled, but it wasn't necessarily happiness, but doesn't fulfillment bring happiness or not? It's interesting. I think what I've come to understand, and this is just my perspective and and based on people I've worked with and my experiences, fulfillment is being on purpose, being in alignment with what you're meant to be doing. Happiness is results-based dopamine hits. So that my my analogy or my example for this is if this podcast goes well, I'll be happy. Right. If you send me a message after and you say, Kev, you're so you're awesome and I loved your story and whatever. I'll be very happy. That'll feel good. That'll feel good from a chemical level. Regardless of how this podcast goes, I'm fulfilled because I'm in the process of doing what I should be doing. I'm in the process of adding value. I'm growing and I'm contributing well beyond myself. So yeah, I don't know if they're as connected as people, or at least I'll just say as I thought. Because another good example is a really hard workout, right? I'll go do... I'll go, go do an hour of kickboxing. I am not happy during that. It sucks. It's not fun. It's I'm sweating. My eyes are burning because I get sweat in my eyes. But when I get to the end, I'm very fulfilled because I feel like I accomplished something greater than myself. I grew. It was something that was just beyond me. So yeah, that that's what I would say. I understand it's very complicated, but I think sitting on your couch watching eight, eight hours of Netflix might make you feel happy, but it's not going to make you feel fulfilled. You're not going to feel like you're right. growing and contributing to something greater. I, I guess I was just looking at it from a point that, you know, many of us are still trying to figure out what our purpose is, right? What our true purpose is, mm. or, or maybe there's multiple purposes. I don't know, but you always think once you figure out what your purpose is and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, that you're going to be happy. I mean, I guess that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's fair, but what I always tell people, and maybe it's just me, right? I, I am not all knowing and I, I don't know a lot of things, but my life is harder than it's ever been. Right. And on the day to day, I don't know. I'm not always happy to sit in this studio for 12 hours a day. Some days I don't want to do it, but when I get to the end of the day today, I know I'm going to be super fulfilled. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I understand definitely. And I'm sure maybe I've lost sight of what not being happy was before. That's definitely a possibility where now I'm just under a lot of pressure a lot of the time. So it might be a little bit different, but I definitely understand where the question, where the question's coming from. You release a podcast every day. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we do seven a week. And then I also have a podcast about podcasts that I do once a week. And then I'm on anywhere from like seven to 10 shows a week. Wow. So that's why it, it's a lot, right? Like I do, I might do 30, I know more than that. Obviously I'm, I'm doing at least 30 episodes a month, Wow! but usually way more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how you do all that. Cause I, <laughs> I work full time. I podcast and then I've been learning hypnotherapy on the side. So to me with kids and a family, I can't imagine what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but even that, right? I can't imagine balancing family like that and trying to do something else and a full-time job and this. So <laughs> it all depends, right? This is my full-time job. So that frees up a lot of time. And we started with one episode a week, just like everybody else. I, so that's the other thing too, is just kept going. How do you come up with that much content where you can just keep rolling? 
<laughs> that yeah, that's one of the challenges. It's I try to think of it this way. Every every experience I have, there's some sort of lesson in it that I can share. So like even yeah. this is happening in real time. Even that question about happiness, it's like interesting. Am I missing something when it comes to happiness? Based on the conversation that we just had, that might end up becoming a podcast episode because I think it'll be valuable to our community. So I try to take the experiences that I'm having and share them with the community. And I also try to take the experiences that I get from my coaching clients. And we know our demographic at a really deep level. So that helps. But yeah, it is probably the most challenging thing to not say the same thing seven times a week and get, you know, people to get sick of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in awe of you for that. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. One thing I would like to ask is I was listening to one of your podcasts and I think it might be one of your most recent ones, mm -hmm. but you guys were discussing fear and you talked about fear. You guys talked about fear in a way that I had never thought about. So it was pretty awesome because we always talk about overcoming fear. I don't know, like it's still being fearful and doing it anyway, being courageous, but you guys put a new twist on it for me. And that was, but you don't overcome that fear. You don't forget about that fear, but you transform it into an even bigger fear. <laughs> And one that you can leverage against yourself, right? Yeah. And I thought that made more sense to me than anything else I heard because <laughs> you really can't get rid of fear. I mean, it's always there. So would you want to touch on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it's very, the interesting thing about it, Michelle, is I am, here's the interesting thing. I think a lot of people who try to teach other people self-improvement are people who have always believed in themselves. And that never res. It's like, well, just don't be afraid. It's like, oh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. That's great advice. And I'll, I've been working for 20 years on that. I haven't figured that out yet. So what we were talking about in that episode was you have to replace a fear with a bigger fear. So think of it this way. For a long time, I'm afraid of planes. 10 out of 10. I do not like them. I understand how it works, but it doesn't make any sense that this giant metal thing should go through the sky like that. I can't get with it, but my fear of flying, I replaced with my fear of not being able to have experiences. My wife and I are going to Belgium in September. That never would have been, that wasn't even a possibility. So maybe the fear of disappointing my wife, that helps. Right. The fear of my relationship not being great because my wife is not allowed to travel anywhere because I don't want to get on a plane with her, that. So I think for a lot of us, this is the interesting thing. Many of us are more afraid to check our bank account than we are to be broke. We're so afraid to check our bank account. We're not checking our bank account, but the fear of being broke should be bigger than what's in the bank account. Right. And that should be a driver instead of something that holds us back. So one of my biggest fears is being financially broke. I, I have been very broke on this journey and it was terrible. And that's one of the things that I use that fear. I leverage that fear to help me learn sales or help me learn money or numbers or speaking or podcast, whatever it is. So yeah, if you can replace a fear with a different fear that pushes you to overcome that first one, I think you're going to be in a pretty good spot. And here's the last thing I would say. I don't know if I'm ever not going to be afraid of speaking on stage. I think that's par for the course, but I am deathly afraid of the regret if I don't do it. Right. Because regret is something, it's very hard to get rid of regret. And if you can reverse engineer regret in the present, that's a really good fear to leverage for you to get out of your comfort zone. 
yeah, from a personal standpoint for me, I, you know, I, I struggle with health and weight and sometimes the fear of the health problems helps me, motivates me to lose weight. But now it's kind of like, I I'm not trying as hard. And I thought, you know, as I'm listening to your podcast, I thought what it is the fear of I'm going to fail again. Right. I might lose, but then I'm going to gain it back. And after listening to you guys, I thought, well, you know, to your point, shouldn't the fear of becoming even more unhealthy mm. or getting heavier or, or less fit or whatever you, word you want to put to it, shouldn't that fear override all the rest? And it just clicked for me. I was like, wow, that's huge. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. Of course. Of course. I'm grateful you listened and you enjoyed. Very grateful. <laughs> I did. It was very helpful. So this is probably an odd question, but after you sunk to your lowest and you started coming back on top, did you kind of become like a self-help junkie or so to speak? I mean, because I feel like I am, I'm always looking for, you know, what's going to help me get better or help somebody else get better. And is that a bad thing? I don't know. I don't think it is, but. <laughs> First off, I don't think it's a weird question or an odd question. I think it's a wonderful question. So here's the thing. And I try to be very honest about this. I do enjoy self-help and self-improvement and growth. I do. I enjoy it. But it's not my natural thing. I wanted to be successful. And transparently, that's why I got into self-improvement because I realized at one point, I am the reason I'm not as successful as I want to be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So in the beginning, it was I had to force myself to learn. I, I remember the first book I ever read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And when I say read, I listen to it on Audible while playing video games. That's how in the beginning, it was just like, look, let me do whatever is sustainable. So no, I think when it comes to consciousness, I'm probably more of a junkie. I want to know why you think the way you think and then how the way you think affects the way you think about the things you think about. I, that, like, I like to get to that level. I just think I, I realized at one point that consciousness, and if I can think about self-improvement, I can help people in a different way. And the last thing I'd say is I'm not your average self-improvement guy. I think I'm just, I have tattoos. I like rapping. I'm just, I, I'm a regular dude. I don't, I'm not like not accessible. I'm not a genius. I didn't go to college. I don't have degrees. I just think for me, it felt like a responsibility to try to help people who didn't resonate with other people. I, I'm just a regular guy. I'm right now, my shirt says best cat dad ever. That's the shirt I'm wearing right now. I'm just a regular guy with big goals. Right. I, and it is interesting how we all, uh, th those of us who do seek this self-help path, because, you know, for me, it's always just trying to improve yourself. Right. And, and I came from yeah. a kind of rough background and, it, and it's always like, you never feel enough. So you're always trying to figure out what's going to make you become enough. Right. Yeah. So, but it's the same idea. And then as I get health problems or my family, you know, it's always like, I, I feel like the brain is such an untapped resource. It's so powerful and we don't use 90% of it. Who's going to help us use more is kind of what I'm looking at, you know, now in lots of ways. But yeah. 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 Uh, same. Same, same. I just, I think for me, I went to like, I want to be successful. How do I do that? Where I think some other people are just hyper curious. Like maybe you're just like a hyper curious human being who wants to know why everything is the way it is. In the beginning for me, it was like, I don't know anything. 
I need to know more things or I'm not going to be able to succeed at the level I want. So yeah, I think the motivation, it depends on the person and it depends on the person's experience. I I would love to be successful too. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It, It helps. It helps. It's, it's a good thought for sure. So how do you absorb it fast enough and learn it fast enough to put it out there? For me, I'm a very quick action taker. So awareness has always been my issue. That's why my the podcast was called the Hyperconscious Podcast, Acutely Aware. I think I knew I, I needed that at some level. So uh, when I learn something, I only learn something as fast as I do it. So that for me, it's like, what's a good example? Okay, if I learn something new about speaking, I have seven episodes a week to try it. That So once I start trying it, I figure out like, how does that work? How does it resonate? Is that something I can actually consistently do? Then from there, it just gets easier as you do it. I'm a very consistent human being. So usually when I try something and I can just keep doing it day in and day out, then I'm able to understand it at a pretty deep level. Then I can try to pick apart to understand it at a deeper level. And then I can try to focus on how to teach it in a simple way. But it has, if I'm not doing it, I cannot teach it. It's like impossible for me to, to teach it because I, because I'm missing all the connections. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be nearly as good of a podcast coach if I didn't do seven episodes a week. I'm just doing it so much. Right. And I get that as far as the more you do it, the better you get. And yeah. Yeah. And the more you know the ins and outs. Yeah. I understand that completely. I just try to jump in. So I, I am not, I wouldn't say I'm a gifted learner by any stretch of the imagination, but when I do understand something from a new awareness, I try to say, okay, what's the action I can take that will lock that in? I'm a very physical learner. That's how I learn really well. That's great. So how do you feel like if, do you ever feel like you make mistakes? I mean, we all make mistakes, but (laughs) is it a, a, obviously it's not, but a showstopper for you or you just say, okay, that's a lesson learned and move on. Or do you have that mental debate at all? Definitely. Yeah. It's it, it was definitely worse in the beginning, but I still have times and this is starting to shift, but I have times where, you know, we might lose a client and maybe the average client for us is let's just say $10,000 a year. And I'll say like, oh my goodness, am I terrible at what I do? Am I not a good enough communicator? Like, is what we're offering not good enough? And then I'll just question everything. Right. And then it'll, I'll sit on that if I don't like message my business partner and have a conversation about it. I got to figure out why it happened. Right. But no, I think my first, unfortunately, and I'm trying to rewire this, but oftentimes my first reaction is jump to everything is terrible. And everything is the worst. And then how do I, then I have to kind of like step back from that. Right. It's way better than it's ever been for sure. But it's not at the point where it's just like, oh yeah, this is awesome. There's so many lessons in this. Like (laughs) That makes me feel better to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, I'm not there yet. My, my business partner and I, this was like the worst. We gave a, we gave a speech in Wisconsin. So we spoke to the entire student body, it was three groups of 330 students and they all went really well. Awesome. And then we had a training with the staff after and they set us up in the library. We had a big screen TV. We're like, this is gonna be great. And I didn't even know what the presentation was on because my business partner created it. Oh wow! And this, yeah, not good. 
I went <laughs> not good. And the second we started, I, I it was like Bunny meets the Blades. <laughs> I knew I was like, we are none of these people respect us. They don't know who we are. I don't know what we're teaching. We are in a lot of trouble. And I just sat there for a half hour with the understanding that this is going to be one of the most uncomfortable half hours of my life. And when we left, we laughed about it because that's what you have to do when something goes that horribly wrong. Then we discussed how our egos flared and their egos flared. Eventually, like two, three, four hours later, that's when we started saying, okay, what can we take away from this? What can we take away from this? But when I tell you it was one of the most uncomfortable times, of my, it's like, just imagine the dream people talk about when you're naked standing in front of the classroom. That is as close to imagining what that feels like as I can possibly describe. Well, I mean, you seem very well-spoken and it seems like you could talk on probably any subject. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But how do you, what made you so uncomfortable? Even though you didn't know what he was going to present, but as soon as you see it, I mean, I would think you're right in the game, right? So yeah, it was a number of things. One, understanding, I mean, we tried to teach. It was like, oh, here's one of the things. It was the 30 things you need to know for effective communication. Oh, the second I knew we were trying to speak on effective communication with something I've never seen before, I knew we were probably in a little bit of trouble. The technical setup, like we didn't have mics, so we had to scream at the top of our lungs for everybody to hear us. Oh, okay. That's part of it. The staff was having like a buffet while they were doing this. So they didn't care about what we were saying. They just wanted to eat and get home. Understandably, nothing against that. And it was just very clear that we jumped into it without saying like, who are we? It it was, it came across as very, we're here to teach you how to do your jobs better when that wasn't our intention, but we never made that intention known. So honestly, it was our fault that it didn't go well. We didn't set it up the way that we should have. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily what we were speaking on. What we were speaking on was valuable stuff, but the value is only able to be delivered at the level of the connection. And they're just, the connection was invisible. So that was us. That was on us. We accepted the loss and we said, look, this is eventually, this is an opportunity to get better. And we haven't made those mistakes quite the same since. Yeah, that's wonderful. That part of it. Right. <laughs> So if there's uh, someone like how you relate to how you used to be, if there's someone like that listening today, what would you say the number one most effective thing you did to help yourself get out of that dark place? Was it the consistency, just showing up every day? Was it changing fear to leverage it against yourself? What do you think it was? Or was it multiple things? Yeah, I think it was a lot of things. I think one of the things was I got around somebody who believed in me more than I believed in myself, really, because... I'm blessed where I've had a lot of really good people in my life, a lot of really positive people. I've always had really good friends, and but I never believed in myself. I was always my biggest restrictor. I've held myself back more than anybody else possibly could have. So getting around somebody who would allow me to borrow their belief, that was one of the biggest things in the world. That was huge for me. And then I think the other thing was understanding, and it took me years to understand this, but understanding the difference between self-belief and self-worth. I think for a lot of the time, I assumed I'm not confident when that was part of it, but my self-worth was very low. My internal valuing of myself as a human being was very low. 
So I always, I never felt good enough energetically. I would accept people crushing my boundaries. All of that stuff keeps you small and it holds you back a ton. So when you start to understand there's a big difference between self-belief and self-worth and you can build self-worth through the consistency of keeping small promises. I always, I liken it to this. You're probably not going to work super hard on a car that has four flat tires and broken windows. If you think you're a car that has four flat tires and broken windows, you're not going to work on the paint job probably. Right. You're not going to work on the engine probably. You got to start with the stuff that you have low self-esteem around. And that, that helped me a ton because I started to value myself accurately as a human being. That was very big for me. So the small promises that you keep, you're referring to keeping it, the promises to yourself. Is that correct? Yeah. Something as small as when my alarm clock goes off, I'm going to get out of bed. That type of stuff, just to build the self-trust and then to understand your self-worth is, if you have low self-worth, you tend to be a people pleaser and you tend to struggle with setting boundaries. Right. And here's the thing, when you struggle, so hypothetically, if I come on here and I say, hey, I only have an hour, I only have 60 minutes. And you're like, yeah, whatever, no worries, like we'll be done. And we're at 59 minutes and I have that moment where it's like, I really should stand up for myself and hold on my boundary. Michelle might not know, she might've forgot about this time thing. Right. If I don't do that actually hurts my self-worth worse. Because I just let you be, break my boundary. Now I have to convince myself that it's I'm not worthy anyway. It doesn't matter. It's your show. Your time's more valuable than mine. That, And then we get into this cycle of breaking ourselves down. So I've seen that so often, especially with family. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from people is family. Because with your family, there really are many families. There aren't any boundaries. And that's a dangerous game. That's very true. And there's a lot of people, even non-family that are happy to take advantage of you not keeping to your boundaries. Yeah. My, my business partner said this, I think we heard this in an event, so I, I cannot take credit, but the people who are most offended when you hold up your boundaries are also the ones who benefit most from you not having them. Yeah. I just, I heard that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. It, I didn't come up with it. We didn't come up with it. Somebody else did, but it sounds really good and it, it's very powerful and it usually helps the point land. Oh yeah. It's very powerful. A lot of these things you don't, maybe you know it on some level, but as soon as you hear it and it just resonates with you in a new way, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. of course. As a speaker, that's what I'm trying to do is how do I, one of my favorite quotes, I think I created it. I'm sure somebody has said it in the infinite time humans have been around, but are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? When I thought that to myself, it was like, oh, I can never, ever unsee that. I will never look at relationships the same again. It That landed really well with me based on an experience that I had. And it was for some reason that specific set of words in that order that allowed me to have the breakthrough. So there's a lot of those out there. And I think that's why the the content you consume is so important. If you're following like a really positive Instagram page or Facebook page, it might, there might be a quote card that changes your life based on the fact that it just lands. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing to me, like I said, how something just clicks all of a sudden. But and what you said, one thing that was very intriguing to me, because you said you found someone who believed in you more than you believed in yourself, which is awesome. But 
what if mm. someone doesn't have that? How do they train themselves to believe in themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, and I know it's kind of like a cop-out answer. If you only had an hour, I would say you go to a counseling session or you go see a therapist, honestly, because I can tell you to do a million things externally. It's all internal. Right. That's the stuff. It's the not having belief because you've been proverbially beat up for being yourself. It's having low self-worth because you've been taken advantage of. It's not knowing like what you want out of life because you've been convinced you can't accomplish big things. It's that. So again, for me, I was very blessed because I had awesome people around. Self-improvement changed my life. Learning something new every day. What's your biggest current weakness? Okay, insert answer. What is one thing we could do today to try to strengthen that weakness? Is it a book? Is it a TED Talk? Is it a podcast? Is it a coach? Is it an event? Whatever it is, it's that. But I really do think it's the internal stuff that it's very hard to work on that internal stuff by yourself. It's very, very, very challenging. It is hard. I would say one of the things that I found that was the most profound for me, I don't know if it'll help other people or not, but is we all have that inside voice, that nagging, critical, <laughs> hypercritical voice. And you hear this stuff, it plays on loop, right? For a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And when you finally stop for a second and you say, is this even true? Because you just accept it as truth because you say it to yourself over and over and you stop and you start evaluating it. Is it even true? And even more importantly than that, is it even my words? Did it come from someone else? And now I'm repeating it to myself. And that's been profound for me. And I'm not saying I'm cured or <laughs> anything like that, but <laughs> it was huge for me to stop and say, wait, it, this isn't even true. It's not even accurate. It's just something I say to myself. Yeah. So. I see. I think I created those in myself. I think that's why for me, it's like I was the, not the enemy, but I was the problem in terms of nobody ever told me I couldn't do it. It was me. I was like, there's no way this is going to work. Kev. What are we doing here? Where everybody else outside of me was like, yeah, you could try it. I mean, it's worth trying, but that, I mean, that totally makes sense, right? It totally makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most of our beliefs aren't ours really. Oh yeah. And if you can tell yourself that you can't do it, then you can tell yourself that you can. And I know it's not as simple as that. Of course. But it's a start. Yeah, it is. And action, right? There has to be some level of small, small, small action. One piece of advice I like to give is kind of the opposite of what I think a lot of people give. This has worked for me. Make your goals drastically smaller than they are currently. Because the reason most of us are not accomplishing our goals is because they're too big. And when your goals are too big, you don't start. And when you don't start, you don't get momentum. And when you don't get momentum, you don't get any results. So I would give that advice to somebody where I understand you want to look at the very summit of the mountain. Awesome. Great. Like get a view of it. Awesome. Focus on getting to the first couple steps first and then focus on getting to the first base camp and the second base camp. You don't climb the mountain in one step. You climb the mountain in thousands or millions of steps. So break your goals up into smaller bite-sized actions. I think that's very beneficial. Oh yeah. And do you believe in like celebrating those small goals too? I mean, of course, of course. Yeah. I don't think most people do enough because going back to the self-worth, if I said, name five things you, and I'm not saying you in this situation, but right. name five things you did really well in that interview. Uh, let me think about it. Name five things you did terribly. Okay. I got you. Here's 12. I just think 
we're really good at seeing problems. We're not always really good at seeing progress. So yeah, 100%, if you can do something and then say, okay, I did these three things really well, fo focus on delivering the positivity first. We always say, anytime we give feedback, you lead with praise, right? right? You lead with praise. You don't say, you really sucked at this, 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 and this, but you had a great smile and you looked happy up there. But that's what we're doing to ourselves. It's like, oh, I really, I was terrible at this. I was terrible at that. The level of feedback you give yourself has to be, it has to be balanced with the level of belief you have in yourself too. Because a lot of us are just breaking ourselves down without knowing. Right. And I've heard of a few people here lately who've talked about just sitting down and writing down like a life inventory of all the stuff you've accomplished, no matter how small or how big. But a lot of us forget all of these things we've accumulated over our life so far. Yeah. Don't give ourselves credit for it. Yeah. And then when you look back, you're like, hey, man, I did do that. I did do this. So, yeah, I had one of my greatest fears come true and happen. Somebody reached out to me and said, hey, I don't mean this with any negativity. Thank you. I'm glad you prefaced that because I don't know if I can handle this if you didn't. It was kind of like what gives you the right to be able to coach other people. And this was... And this was a few, this was probably like three or four years ago. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm found out. Oh my goodness, I'm found out. But then I sat with it and I said, well, is there anything that does? Like, let me find some proof. And I was like, well, at this point I've done, I don't know, a couple hundred podcast episodes. I've interviewed some of the most successful people in our industry. Um, I left a job. I'm somewhat successful, right? I've studied self-improvement every day for the last however many years. And I sent that over. And when I looked at that list, I was like, that's pretty cool. Like I've done a lot to your point, right? Right. But usually we don't create the space for that to happen because it seems like maybe we're over celebrating or we're afraid of being, looking, sounding arrogant. That's That comes into it a lot for people. But yeah, it's if you are ever feeling down, sit down and write down all of the things you've done. And you've done a lot more than you probably give yourself credit for. It's probably just not that much contrast because you haven't thought about it lately. Exactly. So what is a appropriate level of celebration? I mean, is it just going woohoo to yourself or is it? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Yeah. That's a great question. You ask great questions. You ask very good questions. Thank you. You're very welcome. I think it depends on two things. One why were you doing thing in the doing the thing in the first place? So some people are doing the thing so they can celebrate. Cool. Understand that. Number two, what level of celebration is going to motivate you to do more tomorrow? Those are a couple of things because I'm dieting right now. I'm trying to lose weight because I have let I've just been all over the place. <laughs> I've been eating good lately. And here's the fine line. Say I diet for six days. If I go off the rails too hard on the seventh day, I'm going to lose all the progress of the previous six. So I don't want to celebrate to the detriment of what I'm celebrating. And I think for a lot of us, you have to celebrate so you get the good feels, but you also want to make sure that you get back after it for the next goal. So yeah, I would say it's dependent on the level of success you had. How much did you believe you could actually do it? Right. If you didn't believe you could run a marathon, you just ran a marathon, eat some pasta, do whatever, have a good time. But if it's something like smaller where you're like, yeah, I thought I could do that. You should definitely celebrate. You should definitely do whatever that means to you. Fill your cup, take care of yourself, but not at the detriment of the overall goal is what I would say.
Okay. Thank you. Very good answer. Of course. Of course. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I'm kind of curious as to your coaching, um, if I read correctly that you coach people all over the world, is that true? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is there like cultural barriers or anything that you've experienced from coaching people all over the world? Definitely. Yeah. One of the things I've realized is depending on the country, family is way more important slash influential depending on where you are in the world. So in the US, like family is very, very influential, but it's not uncommon for people to like leave their family behind and go try to accomplish whatever it is they feel they should. But in a lot of other parts of the world, that's not acceptable and unreasonably rare. And you're either a doctor, you're a lawyer, you know, you're an engineer, whatever it is, or you're a failure. And that's like a very, very common thing holding people back. And that's just not, that's not just in other countries. I mean, that's in every country, but that's been very big and very highlighting for me is unfortunately some of the closest people to us are also the most toxic. That's been painfully, it's been a painful lesson to learn based on the life of other people. How do you help somebody overcome? I mean, if their culture says you're a failure, if you're not X, Y, or Z. Yeah. But they come to you and they say, but I really want to be. Yeah. Me over here. What you You have to understand that you don't have to play by the rules as long as you're willing to put up with the potential detriments of that. That's, I mean, that's the realest answer I can give is I had a client who said, my parents will disown me if I pursue my dreams. Oh, wow. And that's hard. It's very, yeah, it's very challenging. And I said, what will you regret more? will you regret not pursuing your dreams, especially considering, and I said, again, this is going to be dark, but it's my job. I got to keep it real. Your your family is most likely going to move on to the afterlife long before you do. You're going to have a lot of time to think about whether or not you did the right thing. Are you going to regret losing that 20 year head start, Or are you going to regret, you know, maybe moving on from them? That's the best I can give you, you have to choose yourself. That's totally up to you. And surprisingly, there's many people who have created distance between themselves and their families. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I've i been surprised at how often that happens. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that would be so tough because you're not going to get that time back with your family either. And yeah, but I think a lot of people are starting to understand that they're not, the time that they're getting with their family isn't positive anyway. True. Yeah. If they're putting that kind of mandate on them, that's true. Yeah. I think people are starting to understand now more than ever that I understand family is supposed to be family and blood is supposed to be blood. And I'm supposed to love these people unconditionally, but they don't love me unconditionally. So why am I expected to take my life and make it the way they want based on the fact that if I don't, they're not going to love me. I think it's that paradigm is starting to get questioned a little bit more, but full disclosure, that is one of the most painful things in the world. I I'm blessed that my family's been supportive. So I haven't had to do that. And I can only imagine what that would be like, but I do not speak of that lightly because I can imagine it is a very, very, very challenging thing. And I know it's been for the clients that I've worked with for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't imagine. Me either. Uh, (laughs) So where do you see yourself going from here? That's 
a question I'd like to ask. I, I appreciate that question. It's a tough question to answer. And the only reason is because it's most likely going to be the same exact thing we're doing today, just a little bit better forever. So where we have a retreat coming up, we've never done a retreat. So that'll be interesting. That's huge. Well, we're going to make a lot of mistakes for sure. We, we know that going in, which is good. That's helpful. You know, we have an app for habit tracking now. That's big. That's new. Never thought we'd have an app. So that's pretty cool. But honestly, it's just, I want to get better as a communicator. I want to get better as a leader, better as a husband, you know, all those answers. It sounds cookie cutter, but I, I do mean those things. And the long-term goal is to be the most successful podcast in the self-improvement space. Awesome. That's what we're playing for. I'm not doing seven episodes a week because I want to necessarily. There's seven days in the week. If somebody comes up with an eighth, I'm going to have to drop another episode. So that that is what we're committed to. So from my own experience, I have my thoughts on this, but do you feel like as you're helping other people that it's only making you grow even more? Yeah. At a faster pace, obviously. It's healing. Yeah, I've Definitely. And it, it's one of those interesting things you want to talk about necessity and fear. It, I, I have a fear of being left behind. If I stop growing, all of this goes away. And I understand that can be, you know, that that's a big fear, but it also keeps me going. The second I stop growing, I stop getting all the results I've been working so hard for. So yeah, I also have the fear of looking like an imposter. That's a big fear. The, the fear of letting somebody down. I would hate for us to meet in person and you to say, I really wish he'd be more blank. I really wish he would have listened to me. I didn't feel like he cared. Oh no, can't have that. I don't want that. That's like a dagger. I do not want that. So the opportunity that we have to impact people, I'm unreasonably grateful for. And I feel a very large responsibility to get better every day for our audience because I cannot lead you effectively if I am not leading by example. So it's a nice piece of necessity that's built in. And my business partner is the most obsessed human with growth ever of all time. So if I take my foot off the gas, I am in trouble. <laughs> He's going to push it for you. He, yes, he has many times with love, which that's what I signed up for. So your retreat, is it podcast based or is it self-improvement based or coaching based? Self-improvement based. Yeah, okay. the podcast my side, like where I'm doing the podcast about podcasts, that isn't big yet. It's pretty new. So we just got to a point where I was like, look, I have so many podcast episodes. I've been on so many. I should probably start adding value there. But the retreat and most of the events we do are through Next Level U. So it's always holistic self-improvement. So what is the difference between self-improvement and holistic self-improvement for people listening? I like to think of it as it helps you become more well-rounded. Because for some people, self-improvement is sales. It's like, yeah, I, I bought this book on how to make more money. Cool, that is that is self-improvement. But that's not going to help your relationship. That's not going to help you be in better shape. Right. Holistic to me means well-rounded. It means level up your life overall by leveling up your love, right? With Whether it's self-love, family love, love with a partner, your health, right. physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and your wealth. How do you make money? Where do you invest your money? Right, All of that stuff. So holistic to me means well-rounded and sustainable for the long run. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I do want to respect your boundaries on time. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're winding down, where where can people find you? Obviously the podcast, but where else would you direct them to to find information about you or about the retreat or... 
I always say the podcast. Okay. Uh, for me, it's like, yeah, you'll, you're going to learn very quickly whether or not you're into what we talk about or not. I mean, this was a really good idea of what we talk about. So just search next level university. Uh, we're on all the podcast platforms. We're on YouTube. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can just shoot me an email, Kevin at nextleveluniverse.com. I do my own email, so I will get back to you. Feedback, questions, whatever it is, I am happy to be there for it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I thank you so much for being here today. I do thank you. Of course. You contribute a lot of content, a lot of information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I tried. I tried. You you asked some really good, thoughtful questions, and you're a wonderful host, and I appreciate you having me. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. You're very welcome. And I'll definitely be following your other podcast as well. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to get very sick of me. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you very much. And I let you get off the hook now, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you again. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Kevin sharing his journey and his wisdom has helped you in some way. A few things really stood out to me, of course. First, I loved how Kevin pointed out that happiness and fulfillment are not necessarily the same thing. I think too often many of us assume that they are. I did anyway. And now I see happiness as more temporary and conditional, I think, whereas fulfillment is finding meaning in things, especially in what you're doing and why you're doing it. And secondly, I was also intrigued when Kevin pointed out that there is a difference in self-improvement for people who believe in themselves and always have, and those who haven't had that luxury. And, you know, to be honest, that's something I never really thought about before. I always thought people who were seeking self-improvement were always trying to believe in themselves. I never thought about the people that already have a strong self-belief and that were just trying to improve. So that was interesting. He also pointed out that having low self-esteem can be at the root of why many of us struggle with believing in ourselves. And he said that improving your self-worth can start with something as simple as keeping promises, even small ones, to yourself and setting and maintaining boundaries. And I feel like by doing this, you're showing yourself that you are worth keeping promises to yourself and you are worth protecting. And Kevin also mentioned that if we're lucky enough to have someone around us that believes in us even more than we believe in ourselves, then it's okay to borrow that belief for a while until you can make it your own. I thought that was pretty cool. And I think another resounding message that Kevin shared was that every conversation with someone, and to me, this is whether you have your own podcast or not, is an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to explore, to learn, to grow, to share, to, to even think of new things that you want to explore, right? Imagine if every time we had a conversation with someone, we looked at it in this way. It becomes sort of amazing, doesn't it? It does to me anyway. So as always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.